I believe that God is wanting to stir something up in us as a church. I think, uh, I, I was thinking about this, is how often in life we find ourselves in ruts, in patterns from previous experiences, previous things that have happened in our lives, that we kind of get a, a little bit conditioned by the world, right? Um, there are times that specifically come that we are forcefully slammed <laughs> out of those ruts. And I believe that's something that God's wanting to do tonight. I believe he's wanting to forcefully slam <laughs> some of us out of some ruts. Amen? Maybe? I don't know. It might hurt a little bit. <laughs> um, it's funny, as I, as, as I was working on this and God was speaking to me, it, it reminded me, Bethany and I love every year that we possibly can to go to the Brown County Demolition Derby. Like that's, like that's Disneyland right here, maybe. Brown County Demolition Derby right there, okay? <laughs> at, least, at least that's what we tell the kids so that they don't want to go to Disneyland. Um, that's it. I mean, really? Um, and, I, and I was thinking about how in a demolition derby, like everyone's in there, right? They're all kind of boxing. They've kind of got their spot. Um, but if you, if you ever watch one, right? I mean, how many of you guys have seen a demolition derby? Okay. Okay, good, good, good. Um, I'm talking to the right people. We're still in Goshen. So demolition derby... There is usually some point that a car gets wedged, jammed, stuck in some sort of a position, right? They just kind of get there, and all they're doing is burying themselves deeper and deeper into that rut, and it's just not going anywhere. When all of a sudden, the big Ford Pinto from over there, like, just comes barreling through, right? And you're like, yes, you know. And it slams the thing, and at one minute you think it's dead, right? It's over, but then all of a sudden it can move and it can be free, right? I believe that there are a lot of us that are stuck, like maybe that Ford Escort wagon, right? <laughs> and we need to get slammed. Because I think in life we find ourselves falling into these ruts, right? And I believe that God is going to come up tonight and he's going to T-bone some of us here to get us out of our ruts. Amen? That makes sense in my Goshen way of putting it, right? It makes sense. I believe that, I believe that it makes sense at least. Um, and I believe that God is, is, is preparing us to cross over into something that will change each of us individually. It will change us corporately as a body. I believe that it will change our city. Amen. And so tonight I'm going to talk to you about, um, I've just, I've kind of just titled this Torn. Okay, Torn. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. And I'll go ahead and warn you, um, I'm going to be reading Matthew 27. And right after that, I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 10. Okay, so Matthew 27 and then Hebrews 10. We're going to kind of do this back to back. Okay. Matthew 27, we're going to read uh, verses 50 and 51 first. It says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. Hebrews 10 
Now, I want to I want to read this. It says, 19 through 22, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Tonight, this is one of the things that I feel like God spoke to me that we need to be reminded of. We need to be reminded that the veil is torn. Amen? We need to be reminded that the veil is torn. Now, some of you, as we talk about that, um, you have no clue what that really means, and that's okay. And some of you um, are like grabbing anointing oil out of your purse and getting excited. (laughs) A little bit of both, probably. See, because I believe that church, in a nutshell, has often become monotonous, dull, just the same thing over and over and over. Give me my three songs, right? Give me my three songs. Give me my feel-good scriptures. Uh, Give me a nice pat on the back on the way out. Tell me that you love me, Pastor, and then I go on with my life, okay? Um, We are not called to that. We are not called to that as a church, okay? And so there's a lot of people that will expect us to do things because we could do things that would fill pews very easily, Okay, there's a lot of things. Listen, I get bombarded with the church track, growth track series every week, it seems. Okay, but that's not our heart. Our heart is to align with what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in this place at this time now. Amen. Amen. That that's that's our heart. And I believe that we are seeing, you know, we are seeing so many things and there's so many things that churches are doing to go bigger and, and to capture the, the attention of those around. I'll see pastors get excited like, oh my gosh, we've got LED lights now. Um, you know, hey, you got to check out our new ambiance thing we got cooking and all this stuff. And I'm not saying that there's any of those things that are bad. Listen, we lovingly hung all of this white shiplap, Okay. There's a lot of love that goes into that. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with, with having a beautiful place to worship and all of that. But what I want you to understand is that for us, I want us to get back to ministry and not get back to church. Amen? I want us to get to ministry. I want us to get to the heart of what God desires. And now some of you are like, what do you mean church is ministry? The church is church, okay? Church is church typically here. Ministry is the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit doing his work in those that are hungry to encounter him. That's real. I mean, that's that's what if you look in the New Testament, that's what happened. But let me let me talk to you a little bit about the veil. See, uh, the veil is what separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. And there's such significance into this veil being torn at Jesus' death. Because see, only the high priest at that point had access into the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year to give sacrifice, right? 
When Jesus came and when, and when he was sacrificed, something amazing took place. The veil was torn in two. And in Hebrews, it tells us that now we have the confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. But here's the big problem that we're having. We are not. See, we are still believing. Honestly, I, I, get, I get frustrated sometimes because in a lot of church conferences, what we are trying to do is we're trying to replicate the tabernacle. And people get excited and they have a worshipful experience going through the old traditions. The things that literally Jesus hung on the cross for and ripped the veil down, we're recreating in the church so that we can go back through the Holy of Holies experience again. When Jesus ripped the veil and said, come now, all the time, not once a year, not just in a moment, not just in an instant, he's saying, come. And we as the church are finding ourselves staying away from the Holy of Holies. It's because we're still looking at it as this box. And we're, listen, some of you look at it as this area right here. Man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> if I really felt led, I would walk up there and I would feel the power of God. No, you wouldn't. Because guess what? This is just a step, dude. That's all it is. <laughs> That's it. There's nothing different about it. There's nothing life-changing about it. What's life-changing is in the power of the Holy Spirit that God has given us the ability to access today. We don't have to wait for it. We don't have to wait for a service. We don't have to wait for an experience. We have to wait for all of these things, and we're struggling because we're not accessing what we've already been given access to. It's there. You don't have to wait for an altar call. For, you don't have to wait for nothing. See, I've spoken you to, to you before about those, those tabernacle re, recreation, right? It's it's honestly, and I'm not saying this to be mean to any of those experiences because I've been in them, right? But it's nothing more than a religious experience. See, if Jesus died to tear that thing wide open, why does he want us to keep reconstructing it? <laughs> right? Right? I mean, I mean, we're, we're, we're literally going through the things, rebuilding the things that God was like, hey, it's cool. Now you have straight access. And we're like, yeah, but we kind of like this. This is fun. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hello. See, the church, we keep getting wrapped up and falling into the old things, the old traditions, the old ways. When Jesus is saying, I've made a new way, I've made a new covenant with you, come and experience it. And we're like, ah, yeah, uh, that's cool, but we remember that we used to do this. See, we're living as if we don't have access, but it's because I believe that we keep putting the veil back up constantly. I think about it this way. Too many people will show up to a church service, typically tomorrow, not typically Saturday nights, but they will show up to a church service tomorrow expecting to have an encounter with God, expecting to hear a word from the Lord, expecting to get on their face, expecting to get knocked over, whatever they expect, right? They have some level of expectation, but those same people will wake up Monday morning and they won't have that same expectation for Monday. Why? Why? It's because they keep looking at the temple, this building, this place to be the Holy of Holies. They're going to wake up on Sunday. They're going to say, I'm going to hear a word from the Lord today. But then Monday, they're not going to say anything to him. They're not going to act like something's going to happen. They're not going to prepare their hearts like something's going to happen. Sunday, they may pray on their way to the service, right? They may take a moment to pray. They may listen to crank up some worship music on the way there. But on Monday, it's so different. And we're confused as to why we're not seeing the miraculous. We're confused as to why we're not experiencing. It's because we're waiting for it in the holy of holies that we've created. 
That's not it. I mean, there, there is such a piece of me that just wants to blow all these walls down so that we really get this, <laughs> but that would not be good for insurance, okay? <laughs> so you purposely blew those walls down. Uh, yeah, it was an illustration. It made sense in the moment, okay? Work with me, people. See, we're living as if the veil is up. We're begging God to show up when he's already here. <laughs> See, we, we keep imagining God is behind this curtain, Hiding from us. That's not it. It's just not it. And see, we're allowing church to be this place where we've said, okay, we put all our veils up here because let's be honest, if anyone heard me praying outside, they would think I was a freak of nature, right? They would lose their minds and they'd be like, what is wrong with them, right? And so what we've done is we've put the veil up all the way around this building and we've said, this is where it happens. This is where it's safe. This is where I can be myself. This is where I can really let loose. This is where I can really let the Holy Spirit do the work in me that the Holy Spirit wants to do. And that is flawed. It's so flawed. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a place for church, and I'm not saying that there's not things that God does in moments in intimacy when other people are surrounded by believers, right? I know this. I've, I've read this to you. I've shared this in the gospel about what God says about that. But what I am saying to you is that if you only allow him to be God in here, if you only allow him to speak to you when you get to a place, whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else, we are missing out on the daily encounter of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I, I want to ask you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, as we talk about the fact that the veil is torn, there is this scripture. This was actually in my uh, daily reading. I can't remember if it was today or if it was yesterday, uh, but this passage leapt out at me leapt out at me. Chapter four, verses one through two says this. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that, the, that they be found faithful. I want to I tell you a word that is in the Bible that like there is just something about me that like in my spirit, it just starts to leap. And it is the word steward, stewards. When I read that word, it, it is just, it's something, it's in my vocabulary. It's something that, it, that is in me that just gets excited, okay? Every time I run into it, I get excited. It's because I think when God calls us stewards of something, what he's doing is he's placing trust in us. See, when, when, God, when God allows you to be a steward of something, there is a level of trust that is put in this. And I think, I think it's interesting to think about this. This is the God of the universe who created life, who breathed it into us, and he's trusting you in what things? What does it say that we're supposed to be stewards of? The mysteries of God. See, we're still so confused about so many simple things in the word when God has called us to be stewards of the mysteries. See, most of us, we would lose our mind if a politician or if a music artist or if some sort of public figure trusted us to do something, okay? 
If they trusted you to do something, you would be like out of your mind and you would tell everyone that you knew, guess what? So-and-so has trusted me to do this. Like you would literally like out of your mind, you'd be so excited. I don't know who it is. I, I would name some sort of public figure, but like half of you would hate me for naming it. And the other half of you would cheer for me. And that would not be good. Okay. <laughs> but if some sort of public figure called you and trusted you, you would be so excited. And if you look at what this says, right, it says that in, in, in verse two, it is required of stewards that they be found what? Faithful. It is required of stewards that they be found faithful. The word faithful in the, in the Greek is the word pestis, which means trusted. Someone who executes the commands of another. Someone that can be, be relied on. See, we are expecting God to perform miracles in our life and our finances. We're expecting God to open doors. We're expecting God to some of us to even shower us with worldly things. And he's looking for us to be faithful and trustworthy. I'm not a, I'm not a man of excuses. Like I don't, I don't like excuses. My kids, um, if Bethany tells them to do something and they don't do it, and then Bethany, Bethany will usually at that point, can you say something to them, right? And so I'll go to them. I'll be like, guys, what is going on? And they will, they will begin telling me. And I'll be like, listen, listen, no, 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 listen. And Judah will be, you know, he'll be rattling things. Well, I was going to do it. And then I got this and then this and this. And, this. and I'm like, stop, 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 stop. Just do it. Just do it, Right? That's usually what I try to get. Just do it. Like, I don't, I don't care why. I don't care. And, and I'll tell you something about me, something uh, about me at work. I am a phenomenal delegator. I'm so good at delegating. I love to delegate, right? I do it all the time, okay? And um, I, I had someone uh, actually call me Friday, and uh, he was like, hey, what do you want to do about this? Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, that's why I had this guy hired, so just go ask him. Don't ask me. I mean, I knew the answer to the question, right? But I had already delegated it to that guy, so I wasn't going to make the decision. So I was like, all right, cool, thanks, see you, bye, click. And even in meetings, they'll be like, who's working that? I'll be like, this guy. Oh, Okay. Well, are you working on this? No, no, no. My team is. This this one's doing it over here. Oh, okay. Well, and and they'll and eventually they said to me, um, every time we ask you uh, what you're doing, it's someone else that's doing it. I was like, yeah, I'm making sure it gets done. I was like, are we getting it done? Oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm a great delegator, right? But where I where I lose patience is if I delegate something, it doesn't get done. Easily, what I do is I just do it myself, right? I will delegate something, and if someone doesn't do it, then I do it myself, and almost, I, I struggle with this. I almost never trust them again to do anything that I've delegated to them. I then take away everything that I've delegated to them until they can prove to me that they can do it again, right? That's just, that's just my style. I'm not saying it's the right style. It's just what I do. But see, God has called us to be stewards of the mysteries of God. Are we doing it? Are we doing it? I think this is an interesting thing for us to think about because if we look, if we look back at what Paul is saying in verse one, verse one, he says this, this is how one should regard us. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. How many people, if they said, hey, can you tell me a little bit about um, so-and-so, uh, would they say, oh, he's a servant of Christ. 
And he's a steward of the mysteries of God. Now, maybe they wouldn't say it like that. Okay, maybe people don't talk like that. But you understand what I'm saying, though. When people think of you in your work, in your life, in your family, what do they see? What are they seeing? See, because he's saying here that this is what other people should think of us, what they should know of us, what our reputation should be, that we should be servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Is that our reputation? I think we've become so ashamed of the mysteries of God that we're pulling the curtain back over and pretending that these experiences are only intended for church folk. And I believe that there are, there are some demonic forces that are supposed to be tore down because we're going to be obedient in the place where no one else will be obedient because everyone else is pulling the veil back. No, 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 I'm at work. No, 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 no. <laughs> Put that veil back up. See, we keep doing that in our own life. Then in every place, right when God starts to do something, we're like, cheek, nope, we're good. <laughs> it's like the shower curtain. <laughs> cheek, I don't know if that's what it sounds like. Cheek, maybe, I don't know. Mine's a shower door, it's like clunk. Um, it's not very good. But like we're, we're pulling the curtain. Like it, we're, we're doing it. He's not doing it. He's not hiding from us. We're whoop. In every moment and every time, right when God starts to do something, we just pull the curtain. We're forsaking the power of the Holy Ghost because we keep shoving the, shirt, the, the curtain closed over and over and over. Now, see, in church, we glorify prayer lines, revival services, encounter services, altar time. And all we've really done is we've thrown a curtain around this building and say, hey, here's a good, safe place for you to encounter the Holy Spirit. The rest of that bad world don't need no Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's wrong. That's wrong. Can I remind you, Jesus died for this type of a church. See, he bridged the gap between God and man, and we're just putting up more walls. See, if you read what's, what happens in the book of Acts, um, they didn't wait to usher everyone into a building. They didn't say, hey, everybody, um, be really cool if we could pray for you. Uh, but before you do, um, I'd love for you to come into this large uh, facility that we've got. And uh, um, if you could, line up um, in a line, and we're going to do this big thing, and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to do something. They didn't do that. You know what they did? They ministered right there. They weren't throwing up curtains and saying, we got to do it in this tent, in this tabernacle, in this place, in this moment. Jesus died and ripped this veil open so that everywhere that we go, people could encounter the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what happened. And we keep, shoot. Closing that curtain. See, this is the church that God has called us to be. And I'm not telling you that in a moment everything will be perfect, but what I am telling you is that your spirit will be perfected when you truly encounter God. And see, the hunger for these things, the hunger for what God has for us, the hunger for his spirit, listen, it will come when all of a sudden you have an encounter with the living God who wants to transform your life. When you start to pull back your own curtain and say, okay, here I am. See, because I believe we have a God who is the God that is tired of not enough time. That is tired of I tried. That is tired of maybe tomorrow. That is tired of if we had this or if we had that. 
He wants a faithful, devoted, hungry people who want to be stewards of the mysteries of the gospel. We want to walk in that. We want to encounter that. We want to experience that. The problem is, is we keep wanting to encounter it here. And he wants to do it everywhere. He wants to do it everywhere. And we are shielding ourselves and we are shielding those that God wants to just straight crazy mess up because we're putting up a curtain. Not because he has. Not because he's cut them off from it. See, he's, he's torn that veil. And we are called to be stewards of the mysteries of God. And that doesn't happen by sitting down and waiting to receive it. It happens because we recognize that the veil is torn and that we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait for a service experience. We don't have to wait for a moment. We don't have to wait for an evangelist. We don't have to wait for anything else. We have to have an experience with the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. I think, I think the big thing that I feel God speaking to us is that we have to stop pretending that the veil isn't torn, right? We are protecting, we, we are doing some sort of work that we have glorified by protecting the unchurched from seeing our lives filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not right. That's not right. See, we are gifted and we are powered by him, not by us, by him, so that we could change everything. If you look at the work of the apostles, as they walked the earth everywhere they went, things changed. And we're walking in the same ruts every single day and nothing is different. We are finding ourselves in the same paths. We are finding ourselves in the same patterns. We are finding ourselves going through the exact same motions. And I keep envisioning that Ford Escort wagon spinning its tires and I think it needs to get slammed. <laughs> we, we have to be willing, guys. We have to be willing to allow God to change us. And see, while he's ripped this veil, we keep throwing up our own over and over and over again. See, this isn't bound to a moment. It's not bound to a place, to a worship set, to a building. It's bound to him. When we truly set in our hearts that we have desired to have an encounter with God, there is nothing stopping us from that. Nothing. Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Monday morning, Monday after. It doesn't matter. 
The veil is torn and we have to stop living our lives like we have to polish everything so that people will welcomely receive Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus wants to do. He wants to go to the dirty, messed up brokenness. He wants to heal. He wants to deliver. He wants to set free. And that doesn't typically happen by coming over there and quietly, politely folding your hands and just trying to be nice. Sometimes it gets, it happens by getting in someone's face and telling them, dude, you are straight jacked up. And the Holy Spirit wants to set you free today. And we keep pulling the curtain. Us. Not him. Not anyone else. And what I will tell you is I I believe that God is calling us to a place that we're just going to stop. (laughs) Because there's not enough time for us to keep doing this. There's not enough time for us to keep playing the game of this comfortable Christianity where we make it okay for everybody because then it's not okay for anybody. We, we're in these ruts of life and these ruts of experience and these ruts of addiction and these ruts of whatever it is. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to change us 